1: What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking
2: requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. Yo, and welcome to the 92nd episode of Lake of Rage, Pokemon trading card game podcast. I'm your host, as always, Kevin Clemente, aka Mellow underscore Magikarp. I'm joined today by three very special temporary guest hosts. All three of them are joining us for the first time. We have a special episode featuring three Pokey parents, three dads of some of the best juniors and seniors in the trading card game to talk all about everything with it. Really, it's going to be a little bit about a competitive guide for how to get your child into the game and then also a competitive guide for what actually goes on at the junior and senior level at the highest Level. So, hopefully, every single person who tunes into this episode is going to get something out of it. But first, we're going to get an introduction for everyone. So, I want to have everyone go through and kind of like who you are, how long you've been involved in the community, if you play, if you judge, or if you are just here to support your child. Aaron, can you start us off? Who are you? How long have you been here, and what do you do in the community?
3: Yeah, hi. My name is Aaron Cole. I'm the father of Yuichi Matsuo and Takumi Matsuo. Um, We've been playing since mid 2017. Um, I also play at uh, larger events uh, and some locals, and I also run our local scene as well.
1: James, what about you? I'm James Washer. My son's Carson Washer, and we've been playing since Sun and Moon, so I guess like 2018. Um, I play myself as well. I actually made it to Worlds last year. I don't want to talk about how day one went, but... um, (laughs) I'm at 150 CP this year, so I guess with the reduced one, I have 200, 200 more to go. Um, so yeah, competitive player myself. And Joe, what about you?
0: I'm Joe Matisse. I'm father of Robert Mormatisse Matisse and Jacob Moore Matisse. Um, I am a very poor competitive player. I think I have 30 CP to my name ever. <laughs> um, we started, uh, our first TCG experience was the pre-release for Ultra Sun and Ultra Moon, so I think that was early 2018. Um, and, uh, I am a, a judge, a Pokemon professor, I guess. Uh, I, you'll see me working usually TCG, but I'm starting into VG also, um, at probably about half the U S regionals, uh,
2: typically. Awesome. And we are recording this. I mean, obviously this is also going to come out before OCIC even happens. I know all three of you are going to be at OCIC, but, uh, I want to know what are each of you doing? Did you register to play? So Aaron register to play?
3: Yeah. Reg- to play 100% registered to win
2: (laughs) let's go james
3: what
1: about you i'm registered for points i just need points winning uh (laughs) winning is the dream but i don't think i at least my son carson tells me i don't have the chops to win so um (laughs) points is good enough for me
2: (laughs) who's better you or carson
1: um that's that's a very good question before covid i was definitely better without a doubt and then we we played very little over covid We came back from COVID and we started to pick it up a little bit. And all of a sudden he was better than me. Like he was telling me what I was doing wrong. The funniest story of this whole thing is at Worlds. So Worlds day one, we both played the same deck, Mewtwo control. And he's watching my game one because he was auto day two. And we're playing out the, the game and I'm seeing that he's watching me and he comes over and he's like, dad, why didn't you do this? Why didn't you do that? Why didn't I was like, sorry, dad, I played my best. This is like back to when he was the junior and I would come up and say, why didn't you do this? Why didn't you do that? So he has definitely surpassed me. It's like I get free coaching now, as I like to say, um, <laughs> from him. So he's definitely the better player, for sure.
2: And Joe, what about you? Did you register to play? So I'm not registered to play
0: TCG. Uh, I might still walk on and staff. Uh, if I don't, then I'm registered to play in Pokemon Go, uh, which is
2: helpful. Uh,
0: very helpful for me because I'm very bad at Go. So I'll lose two games
2: and then be done. <laughs> That's the perfect one right there. <laughs> and then you get to just kind of hang out the whole time. Yep. Both yeah. Th- uh, yeah. Yeah. We'll get to that, that side of things in a little bit as well. But the first thing I want to talk about is the benefit of competitive play for your child. So this one's kind of a mixture of, you know, any parents who are just kind of here and being like, should I take my child to regionals? You know, should I get them more involved in the competitive side of things? Or for people like me who uh, completely missed that side of things and got back into the game significantly later in life. So what are some of those benefits? What are some of these things that you see you know from your child, whether it's the travel, whether it's the critical thinking skills, whether it's, you know, the friendships, you know. What are the benefits of this, and why do you keep coming back to the competitive trading card game? We'll go in the opposite order this time. Joe, why don't you start us off?
0: Yeah, I think um obviously critical thinking skills are great uh you know le- learning how to how to developing brain uh, is great but I think um the biggest thing for us that we've seen uh is you know Robert's a very bright kid doesn't struggle with anything in school um and this is his real experience where he's good, but he's not the best, you know, or at least not the best every day. And he goes through, you know, he he went to Worlds and totally bombed at Worlds, you know, and and was really sad and really frustrated and it really, you know, really hurt him, you know. He he was expecting to do well. He won his first game, didn't win another game. And uh, came out of that really crushed, but then a couple weeks later was back and Changed his mindset and it, it really made him like grow at, in terms of facing, uh, facing, uh, you know, difficulties and, and and being able to say, you know what, I'm not the best today. That's fine. I'm going to pick myself up and I'm going to try again. Um, you know, and his his attitude has changed so much, you know, in the last year, uh, going from being surprised to do well, the highs of that, and then going to worlds and, you know, so we, he went to he had never done anything in Pokemon before Salt Lake City 2022, and got second place and was shocked. You know, like and I told him I think you will top eight, and he's like, no, I won't. They top eight, so like, oh, I'm gonna lose. No, you won't. <laughs> you know Like, suddenly, surprisingly, do well. All those highs, and then the crushing lows, right? And then picked himself back up and then said, you know what? That's fine. I'm gonna keep doing my best. You know, and now maybe he top 16 sometimes and is you know, sad to miss top eight, but he's like, he's developed that like ability to overcome adversity and say, you know what, that's fine. I'm going to, you know, we were on the plane ride home from, uh, from Orlando, you know, he, he got top 16 and again was, you know, sort of pretty sad to, to miss top eight. He was like, you know what, we're going to figure out the deck to win OCIC. And, and basically is, you know, played four hours Pokemon a day since then. <laughs> um, so, so that, that to me is the, the big one is, is that, you know, that ability to overcome adversity and, and really,
2: develop i love it. the teacher in me loves hearing that one right the like super high achiever who's like no you like there are hard parts in life you're gonna have to overcome right that's that's something a lot of people need to learn <laughs> just in general james what about you what are some of those benefits that you see like why do you keep coming back to the trading card game
1: well i the number one is definitely learning life lessons so i'll come back to that since he talked about that definitely the friendships the, the bonds that some of these kids that go to all these international events and all the regionals that they developed, because they really share a common bond that they can't share with their friends at home. Um, you know, we don't really have, well, we've got one up and coming senior that, you know, we're starting to kind of develop that at our local league. But other than that, for the longest time, we haven't really had any other kids that, that play here locally so that bond that you get by seeing these same kids you know in seeing this kid in Australia seeing them in Brazil seeing them in Europe you know even kids that are from those different countries it's it's really amazing and then the bonding between the parents the whole process of traveling that's what I missed that was the worst part of COVID for me was not getting to travel to these things with with Carson and we just get into our routine uh, like we both love Chipotle, so we like we try to set a record at every regional how many times we could eat at Chipotle during that weekend and stuff. So just that whole process of traveling together and testing decks, you know, while we're there and hanging out is just was really lost. But definitely the biggest benefit by far is the life lessons, and you see them grow from the time when they're a junior and like every loss is tears to real heartbreak losses. Like Carson has had. Some monumental heartbreak losses recently in Day Two Worlds. He started 501 and just needed to win one more to get top eight. And then he drew a bet. He was playing Mewtwo Control and he drew Mewtwo uh, Mewtwo V Union with Arceus, which is a, a rough matchup. He lost that. Then there were five potential choices that he could have been paired against the last round. And he got paired against Liam with Krabominal, the auto loss. And so to you know to be that close to be top eight for Worlds and then and then to drop out, it's like hard to bounce back from that but that's they've learned that you know he bounced back pretty quickly of course he was upset but then his friends like come over there and hug him like literally you know 10 kids will come over there and hug him and just those those types of bonds is just by far and away it's just it's just really amazing
2: and aaron i know being the last one on this one might be hard because you might just want to co-sign everything everyone said but why do you keep coming back to the pokemon trading card game what are some of those benefits you see
3: Yeah, actually, mine is a bit different. Um, My first thing that brings me back is just the time spent with my kids. Um, You know, we're doing something together. We're on the same level. Um, Not competitively. He's much better than I am. But we're on the same level as far as um, playing goes, doing the same thing, same interests. You know, we can understand each other, comprehend each other. You know, we think on the same wavelengths, and we get to spend a heap of time. You know, we've traveled the world together. It's It's been absolutely amazing. I look forward to every, every minute of it.
2: Beautiful. I love hearing all, all of those are just like, they're like the perfect things, right? None of that was involved with like, oh, you know, my child keeps winning and so they keep wanting to come back, right? It's, I mean, that obviously helps. Are right? you like doing the things you're good at? But all of it is these like other aspects that are like, well, these are really good positives that come from being competitive in the trading card game, which is huge right so i also want to get into a little bit of and this was a suggestion from you all and it's one that i am also super curious about so we mentioned ocic we have two people registered for the tcg one person registered for go but what do you do while your child is playing in the you know they're competitive right or let's say you're in day one they're going to make day two or top eight, you know, for junior seniors, usually the day two equivalent. What are you doing during that time? What does that regional experience look like from the parent side of things that support, you know, that kind of stuff. And then we'll do metagaming and things like that in a second part to this, but just what are you doing during that time for any parents listening to this They're like, Am I really going to go for a whole weekend and just sit there and watch my kid play? Like, how do you enjoy yourself? Uh, Aaron, why don't you start us off on that one?
3: Yeah, so we're really lucky over here. We've got a lot of good friends uh, over east that we've met through Pokemon. Um, and we'll usually always have, like, a table somewhere. Uh, one of the parents will be sort of planted there for the weekend. Um, we make it a big thing that we try not to watch the kids' games. We don't want to be anywhere near the kids while they're playing. We just want to make sure that they've got a base to come back to when, with their tears, with their happiness, whatever. Um, but, uh, yeah, we, we plant ourselves down, and then we just sort of let the kids run amok just yeah let them do their own thing um usually i'll be playing day one so my kids will be running around you know usually on the uh watching back then it was like a lot of uh pokken tournament oh they love watching pokken or vgc i uh, love watching the live streams um love watching other people playing games watching top tables at masters um uh, getting their play mat signed running around finding all the players, getting their play amount signed. But uh, yeah, I usually I make a big effort to just stay away from the kids while they're playing. Mm-hmm. So uh, usually day two, um, I'll just be walking around, watching Masters, chilling out, have a coffee, that sort of thing.
2: So out of curiosity, and this is the, I am a very fresh parent, so I want to know, and this for Aaron or anyone, do you consider a regional to be like a safe place to like, let your kid just kind of run around you're like well i know enough parents here who know their face and there's like judges who are obviously looking out for things so do you consider regional be a safe place to let your kid just kind of like yeah you you know where i am go do your thing and i'll come back here yeah, that really depends on yeah it
1: depends yeah
3: yeah 100 percent for us because i mean our regionals are not massive you know we're talking vgc tcg you're probably talking about three four hundred people so Um, and all the parents know the other parents Uh, it's pretty tight so um, and our kids are usually always hanging out together they're never off by themselves they're always with other kids so it's usually pretty safe and they're not allowed out of the hall or it's not like they're running around outside or anything like that so Mm
2: -hmm.
3: yeah definitely so it definitely depends on
0: the kid right like (laughs) if, if the kid if the kid is someone who is pretty independent it's fine uh, if they are able to say, you know what, I I know what I, I can go from place A to place B to place C, that's fine, right? I mean, Robert, when we were before COVID, this was would have been like, I think our our first regional that I played at with him was like Dallas, 2019. Oh, that uh, was massive. Oh no, no, it was Dallas, 2018. I think. Okay. It was not. It was not 2019. I think it was, think it was 2018. But you know that he was what six <laughs> or seven, and we both played at the same time, uh, and. You know, and he knew. I told him where my table was. You know, and he knew to go to the pokin afterwards and play pokin. You know, that was his home base was was playing pokin. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is honestly before I even knew the parents. Um, but um, you know, but he knew where my table number as he came crying to me during the middle of match in round three because he split a sleeve and did not you know didn't have extra sleeves to fix it with. Mm-hmm. But um, but we'd always been very independent. We we always went to big you know went to the chicago auto show every every year since he was two um so he was very used to it i definitely think there are kids that that might struggle a little more and might need a little more um but for the most part i think as long as you're really clear to the kids this is where i'm going to be this is where you need to go uh and they understand that i think it's it's fine i mean you know i, I certainly when they were a little younger i would walk up to the head judge and juniors and introduce myself and say hey i'm i'm joe this is robert um yeah, and he's going to be playing and I'm going to be playing over there if you have any problems page me I'll, I'll come right over the judges aren't there to babysit by any means but you know that doesn't mean that if you know there's a crying kid looking for their parent that they're not going to help
3: so one other thing that's really cool at uh, big venues like worlds and stuff like that uh, and regionals is if they put the banners up the, the banners with the pokemon so we'll always tell the kids hey look under the dragonite banner that's where we're going to be if you ever get lost, under the Dragonite banner. That's nice. And the other one we did for Worlds and what we're doing for OCRC is uh drop an Apple AirTag into the into their bag. So no matter what happens, you're you
1: have in the way. deck box
0: too.
3: <laughs> Yeah.
1: <laughs> <clears throat> we have a junior at our, our league that's going to be playing a Noxo for the first time and the dad plays as well too. And so he was asking me, you know, should I play... Uh, And I said, for the first regional, I really feel like you should not play until until the player gets a little bit of experience and knows about, like, how to go check which table they're sitting at. Things like the sleeve, you know, the the more experience they have, the more likely they are to be able to play on their own. How is the kid going to handle a loss? Like, are they going to have a meltdown and you're over there playing and so you're going to have to get up and leave and stuff like that? Thankfully, early on, both my kids used to play. So my wife used to come as well and she didn't play. So she she kind of man the station but um you know after they get the experience and if they're mature enough to be able to handle losses and bad situations and stuff then yeah you can go off and play play at the same time which is what I do I I hate watching Carson play it makes me so nervous which is one of the reasons why I love playing myself unfortunately a lot of time he's there in day 2 and uh you know they play top 8 in day 2 and I'm not in day 2 I have made day 2 a couple of times but um I'm not in day two, which means I get to watch them play and I get so much nervous energy. I just like literally walk loops around (laughs) the convention center while, while he's playing top eight matches. Um, but yeah, that's, that's one of the benefits of playing is that you're not sitting over there watching every single, every single second and getting nervous and, and all that stuff. Cause I get much more nervous about, you know, when your kids are doing something, you get much more nervous about it than when you're doing it for yourself. So for sure that's why i recommend most parents trying to play um even if it's more casual they could go play side events or something like that uh and they do some cool stuff like at worlds there's like a pokey parent uh tournament to where it's structured such that they'll finish before the kids would likely finish so it allows you to like play but still be there when your kid is done playing as well too which is really neat. Also a super fun format. Yeah. Yeah. That was, <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, that, that, was uh, that. Yeah. I, I actually ran that last year and I, I thought I, I would love to bring that to more places. <laughs> um, I would love to bring that to regionals and ICs because I think uh, it, you're, you're completely right. That distracting people is a really good idea. I never, like the first time I'd seen Robert competitively and not been doing something myself was LAIC last year. And uh, all of what you said is completely the case. I was you know, I played day, I played Friday, didn't make day two, of course. And, uh, I, um, spent me, you know, there was like, there were these great positives, like that I, every time he would win, he'd come over and like have a smile on his face and I can, you know, give him a a hug or whatever. And, uh, you know, and then the couple of times he lost, he'd come over and be sad, you know, but the, all the, all the stress and all that, but it was really great though, being with, you know, all the other parents. And I mean, I think there were what, 20 of us sitting in that same place or something and you know and so there was always you know every round somebody won somebody lost you know there was always emotions going on but we were all there you know supporting each other which you know i I think is really important i think if if you are a new pokey parent that's the number one thing i would say is find us (laughs) (laughs) find you know and it may not it's probably not me at most tournaments because most tournaments i'm i'm judging but um find find that find the group of parents so that you have other people to give you emotional support and other people you know just to to have something to do <laughs> um, you know talk to and do adult things with you know and sometimes the adults sit there and play you know we i think during lac there was a fair amount of time that we were just playing on the side randomly you know but um
1: yeah. you'll 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 create a large group of friends as well too when you're traveling to all these a lot of the a lot of times it's the parents of the kids that, you're, that your kid has friends with their kids and you de- develop some strong bonds with the parents and I text them all the time and get advice and everything. I do I do want to mention one thing that you shouldn't do that I learned, um, especially if, if you're not playing or you're playing yourself, is don't, um, don't give your kid advice after they lose. I used to be really Absolutely. bad about this. When I would be done with my round. I might come over and like, be trying to watch Carson's game and you know see that he would do something wrong and then afterwards he just lost and come up and I'd be like you know why didn't you welder before you did this or something like that. Uh, I r- realized pretty early on that they're they're not taking in any of that information. So when they lose, it's always hugs and you know good job you do your best you get on the next round. Now when they win, that's when you can. So I got some weird looks because after Carson won Knoxville he won. And I immediately went up to him. I was like, why did you do this? Why did you do that? I think all these parents are like, who is this crazy dad? And I was like, no, when he, when he loses, I just give him hugs when he wins. That's when I try to coach him. Um, so that's definitely was the best advice. Now I can't coach him cause he, you know, he tells me what I'm doing wrong, but, uh, definitely for juniors and stuff when they lose, it's just hugs. And, uh, you know, yeah. yeah. And, and I've never, <sighs> I know there are some parents that put a lot of pressure on their kids to win, especially when they're chasing stipends and stuff. And I think that's a terrible, I think that's what leads any kids that do cheating, leads kids to cheat. I really hope that no parents put pressure on their kid to win, especially because I know like a lot of travel, we're like, we're going to Oceana. And if Carson does well, that means $5,000 towards Europe. But I would never tell Carson that, you know what I mean? Just like, go do your best. There's a lot of variance in this game. Sometimes you get good matchups. Sometimes you play well. Sometimes you play bad don't put any pressure on your kids to win. Cause I think that's what leads kids to do things that they shouldn't do.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. The kids put enough pressure on themselves. Yeah. I mean, Robert knows where he is in the rankings. He knows how the stipends work. He yeah. absolutely puts a lot of pressure on himself and, you know, and, and, and I don't, yeah, no, don't add any pressure to that at all. He, they, 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 they want to win. Uh, that's, that's why they're competitive. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah. And, and seconding on, on what you're saying with, uh, after they lose, don't don't tell them what they did wrong. Uh that's one of the things that I that I I definitely learned. I was not perfect at that at the beginning either. Um but I what's been great about seeing that is seeing them go from when they're younger sort of just being crushed that they lost and like blaming randomness and blaming, you know, my deck didn't work out. And you know, like like you know, Robert picked up Mew and basically he nearly threw it across the room after <laughs> He was like, I'm never playing this again. You know, and you guys can, as you know, he continued playing it after that. But, uh, but seeing them develop and they get to the point where now, I don't have to ask him what he did wrong. I don't have to tell him why he did these things wrong. He's doing that all himself. And I have to stop him from doing that. You know, he will tell me, I did this wrong, I did this wrong. You know, he he, came, he hit a, a win and win and in at, at, at Orlando and lost because he didn't play something. Right? And he's like, telling me, I didn't do it. I didn't get the judge. I didn't get the judge. I didn't get the judge. Like, it's okay. Yeah. <laughs> it's cool. <laughs> but yeah, de- definitely don't. Yeah, you're absolutely right that, that you really need to. And I actually, like, I try not to fix them. And that's the thing that's the hardest for me. I want to fix them, you know, when either one of them is struggling uh, and, and, you know, and having a bad day or whatever, I want to fix them. I want to, I want to take that bad day and make it go away. Um, but we can't do that either. Right. Cause they're that competitive. They have that competitive urge. They're, they're supposed to be sad that they lost. Right. That's, mm-hmm. that's, that's, that's the feeling that they have. That's, that's what makes them who they are. And so instead of fixing them, right. Just being there and just giving them a hug and saying, I'm here and letting them, letting them figure out what they need. Right. Cause sometimes they, they need to talk to you about their loss. Sometimes they have to, they have to explain why they did the stupid thing that they did. Um, Sometimes they don't want it. Sometimes they want to go get ice cream, you know, and that's the thing, but like being there and just saying, figuring out, you know what, I'm going to figure out my kid needs and just give it to them and not fix them, but just let them, you know, cause they're, it's one of the hardest things I think with like, you know, an 11, 12, 13 year old, like they're at that point where they know what they need uh they're not five (laughs) and they don't you know like five i could fix them i can't fix them anymore
1: yeah i do think it's sorry to to pipe in one more time but i do think it is important it was a turning point for carson to grow as a player when he stopped blaming luck every time that he lost you know that was every time he lost i i got unlucky my opponent drew this it was the last card he needed or whatever i was like you can't be unlucky every time like and you'll never grow as a player if you're always just blaming luck. Um, you need to, maybe not immediately, like cool off, but like the next day, would said, let's, let's talk to those losses that you had again, you know, because I wasn't going to talk to him right there. And like, what, tell me what happened in the whole game. Was there something that you could have done different? Was a different path you could have taken? You know, were you playing the matchup correctly? Were you thinning all this stuff? So that at some point you have to, you have to take a hard look at your losses and, and really learn from them. Uh, as well, too, just immediately afterwards is not the time usually, probably probably for masters as well too, yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah that's and that's a, like I think that was the interesting point for Robert as well, and that was just after worlds so, like he stopped mm-hmm. like that's the last time he blamed luck for anything. Mm-hmm. you know, and that um seeing that and and, and you're completely right though though like and I see with my younger child who who's video game player, so luck's there's a very different kind of luck in video game. It's a lot more immediate, right and in a trading card game, luck is like you know, did you did you get the right card at the right time, you know like, you know, I, I've had, I, my, my, my game at, at the London Open, where right, where I had six cards in my deck, and I was I was going to Genesect for five, and, and I needed Boss, and of course the sixth card was Boss, right? That's like that's de- immediate luck, but most TCG is not immediate. It's mostly sort of delayed luck, right? You, you just over the course of the game got bad luck. VG, it's immediate. You you click Hydro Pump and it misses and you lose, right? And and it's it's you know, it's, and, you know as a nine year old, he's you know Jacob is is still at that age. He's still at that age where he's still saying, you know what, this is this is bad luck i lost because of bad luck but it's been really helpful having the first experience right and being able to, to talk to Jeremy and say you know what let's 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 stay away from that let's let's look at our play you know if you, if you want to look at your play that's fine don't blame luck for it though um but i do think it's very developmental stages like i i feel like this is one of those things that it pokemon is great for because it helps you work through those things but it's also it's natural at seven eight nine to do that and then you see them grow through it and they go through that experience and they they win they lose they win they lose and then they then they hit that turning point at whatever age uh
2: um, aaron do you have something to add i saw you trying to chime in at one point too
3: yeah yeah one thing i always try and reiterate to my kids is it doesn't matter whether you win or lose the only thing i ever want to see you do is try your best yeah. but that's not nothing else matters really yep. you know have fun try your best like Yeah, win or lose, winning comes, it'll come when it comes.
2: I want to go off the regional experience. I know we literally, all three of you just said the exact same thing, just like a little differently, right? Of like, it's about playing, it's about doing it, it's about improving, which is all 100% true. Every single person listening to this should co-sign that for yourselves, for your child, for both. You know, (laughs) that just feels incredibly obvious. But also one of the things you wanted to mention was the idea of how do you actually prep for a regional? Because... It's great to say, I'm going to hug my child after they lose. Because that's correct, right? That is being a good parent. But your child wants to win. And so another part is helping them actually get ready to potentially win a regional or top eight or win an IC or something like that. So metagaming, deck selection, testing. How does all of this go? Like seniors, juniors are ridiculously small. All The top players kind of know each other, all the parents of the top players kind of know each other. So, are you like hiding information from each other? Is it all kind of open? Like, where does all this go? And, Aaron, I think this one's yours. So, start us off how does that metagaming deck selection, all that stuff go?
3: Okay, uh, this is such a hard question. Um, in juniors, it's pretty much uh, juniors is very similar to masters in my experiences. Uh, just play the best deck. Play the best deck uh, and just try and know it. In Seniors, I've noticed over the last few years that the decks are very, I don't know if it's like an adolescent thing where it's very controlling. There's lots of, um, uh, I'm going to play the game. I'm going to make sure that you can't play the game type decks.
2: You know, always or, or very,
3: very control heavy. Um,
2: I've definitely heard but, this before before COVID as well, of like the senior yeah, meta weird. Huge. Yeah,
3: before COVID it was, yeah, senior meta was always weird. It was always control. I want to make sure you don't play the game, you know. But um, juniors, I mean, Uichi only been, he's only played one event as a senior. He's, he's only first year senior. So um, all our experiences from juniors, um, and it was just literally just try and play the best deck that you could possibly play, same as the Masters. Uh, We don't have anyone really much to test with here except Masters. So, um, like, for top-level stuff. (laughs) So, uh, yeah, it's just play the best deck.
0: So so I'll I'll jump in on Juniors there. I I actually don't agree on Juniors, uh, and I'll tell you why. Juniors, I don't think you play the best deck. I think you play the deck you're the best at. Um, And... Robert had this experience, uh, and uh, he, he switched to Palkia for Milwaukee last year. You know, he, he had top 8 at, I think, both of his tournaments, or top 16 all three of the tournaments before that, and uh, showed up at Milwaukee and was like, I'm going to play Palkia because I don't, or I'm going to play something different. He usually was going to play Reggie, something, and then he switched to Palkia last minute. And he went, like, 1-4 or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and Palkia was, I think Palkia,
2: Palkia, Palkia was the
0: well best deck, year, yeah. Man. Probably did very well at that tournament. <laughs> um, but, uh, but Robert didn't know how to play. He's, you know, 10 years old or whatever at the time, didn't have the experience playing... Oh, the like, Italian um, a masters Yeah, I mean, a Masters can... Uh, you know An adult can pick up a deck and play it four or five times and then play it competently, right? If I handed Torr a brand new deck he'd never seen before, he'd probably day two a tournament. Um, even a top junior can't do that. And they're going to be... They're going to get... And you see that in the juniors, at what does well, at what hits top eight, right? By now, there's a bunch of Lugia and a bunch of other stuff, because people have been playing it for a long time, mm-hmm. right? Um, And I think, uh but a lot of the times, you'll see a bunch of Arc Dura, you'll see Arc Intel, you'll see all these older things that aren't there because they're the right deck. They're there because the kids know how to play them really well, and they mm-hmm. don't make mistakes. The, the kids that win, uh, or that, that, that do well, are the kids that don't make mistakes, and kids that you know, a lot of the times at the beginning, first two rounds, like you just you can't take a loss first two rounds, right? It, 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 w- once you get to round three, then you're playing against those those top juniors you're talking about, right? And but it's you got to win those first two rounds. You, you can't play a deck you're going to make mistakes with, Um and so that's that's our advice for most juniors. And there's a few exceptions. That I think you know Prince, I think is is an exception for sure. I <laughs> saw, saw that in Oxford at uh, at the uh, Orlando, but um but uh, most juniors, the ones that do well. they play the same deck over and over again and get better at it Uh, and then change occasionally but like this temptation to switch to let's play lugia this round now lost box is the best one now Mm -hmm. right that it's very hard for for a kid like they just don't have the experience to be able to say this is like these are all the right choices i'm going to be making so they have to have a small like they, they have to play so many rounds in order to get to that point
2: Aaron, you kind of in agreement with that idea, or like when you say best deck, are you like, well, Lugia is the bestest format, so they're going to grind Lugia the whole format, or is it like? Yeah. I
3: never recommend a kid just pick up a deck like just before a tournament. You know, obviously, you know if they're going to play the best deck, they they learn the deck, they play the deck. I mean, uh, Kingsley over in Melbourne's probably a great example of this. He's been playing Lugia since it's come out, and uh, you see his results on winner boxes, local tournaments. He's beaten adults with that deck. You know, and it is because he knows the deck well, but he's also playing the best deck. You know, and uh, even for my son, you know, he'll pick up a deck, he'll play, it, he'll play, it, he'll play, it, he'll, play it, he'll know it, but he'll believe it's the best deck for the format, and he'll do well with it.
2: So it's that um, idea of play the best deck that you also play very well. Yeah, you do you have, have to be. You careful. have to know.
3: You yeah, ha- you have to know, it. and that's just. just... Comes this.
0: Yeah, you have to know something too. Like I'll say, like looking at some of the Lugia lists that I was seeing. Um, for for juniors right you do have to know that there's not going to be quite as much of the really challenging stuff in juniors mm-hmm. you know like i i saw a bunch of canceling clones in the U-less at orlando guess what i don't think there was a single person playing uh any of the things that canceling clone is there for that's <laughs> not true there, there was there was one person playing pocky articuno um and i if i remember right it's useful in that matchup somewhere but um uh, but like it's for the most part it's not really used uh you know and that we you do see a lot of people that just take the master's list and just copy and paste them. Mm-hmm. So you do have to think about it a little bit and say, you know what, does this card make sense, right? Do I need to mm-hmm. play Bird Keeper because there's Articuno in the format? Do I, you know, like, what am I going to run into? And you do learn, you know, you do see there are some juniors that just play the same list all the time.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And, you know, maybe you want to make sure, you know, like, I know there's going to be a, an Articuno, so I'll definitely put a Bird Keeper in if I'm playing Lugie, right? Or, I know there's you know three kids that are always playing you, so I'm going to put a Drapion in even if it's you know sort of questionable. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but that, that that would be my other suggestion. It would, it would be so just sort of like I mean and I don't know how many people know that you can go to RK9 and look at the top eight lists for every regional.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: You can look at the full desk list for every regional. Go to RK9.gg/slash roster/slash and then the the unique identifier of the tournament. Um, You don't even have to know, uh, you don't even have to register for the tournament before, right? You can go and see every single one for top eight juniors, top eight seniors, and day two masters. Um, So I definitely recommend go and look and just see what, you know, see what's there and and see that's the spread. You know, it's reasonably
2: representative of the spread you're going to see. So I want to stick on juniors for a second, like off of that a little bit.
1: And so I just, I have lots go of for thoughts go for on this. Yeah. I don't know if you want to like shift to a completely different question because I have so many thoughts on this deck list. I, stuff. I was
2: going to go uh, and you might have actually been answering the question I was going to ask. So, are you helping with the teching and stuff like that? Or are you letting them kind of do their own thing?
1: A juniors, I 100% selected every single card in Carson's deck. Like, I, and I told him what to play. Mm-hmm. Like, he might say, I like this deck or not, but like, I, he was going to play what. I told him to play, but I have like so many thoughts. So feel free to cut me off at any point in time. (laughs) I think one of the biggest points was it so depends on the, the skill level of the player throughout most of juniors towards the tail end. This changed a little bit. I had a rule that Carson never played a deck that he hadn't been playing for two weeks before a regional event, because for mostly for juniors, if you play your deck better, it's all about who makes the most mistakes. And so, if you play your deck a bunch, you're going to make less mistakes and most likely you'll win, especially against the average juniors and the below average juniors. You'll always win those matchups. Now, against the top juniors, that's not always true. So, therefore, but then fast forward to now at, at uh, OC or at, um, in Brazil, Carson played a deck that he didn't play a single game with and, and got a terrible matchup again. He got unlucky this time, six Lugia. He was playing Sanders Control. He hit one Garatina. The other five were Lugias to for winning into top eight in Oceana. And then uh, at a regional Arlington, uh, I convinced him at midnight to switch to Arceus Duraludon. He hadn't played a single game, and they didn't play a single game with it and got second. So, like, once their skill level becomes to a point to where if you play the right call and you can, like, pick up a deck and play it extremely well, that's the way to do it. But before then, and probably so for juniors, it's almost always going to be, Two weeks beforehand, we're selecting a deck and we're sticking with that deck. Mm -hmm. Look, we may change a few cards based on what we think the meta is going to be. Um, And we we never played the best deck for juniors. And in Carson's last year of juniors, we had this down, we went to two, we went to six major events, either regionals or international events. He topped four or five of those, never playing the best deck. Because juniors is more like a league cup because the events are smaller and the number of good kids is even smaller. So you can play, you can play anti-meta. And because a lot of times anti-meta decks do terrible against non-meta decks. But in juniors, you can take a bad deck and beat another junior that's not very good because they'll make mistakes. Mm -hmm. So what we, and the reason why we didn't like to play the best deck, is because the, the best kids know how to play against the best deck. That's what they test against. That's what their coach tells them. Like when they're, for instance, if, if I was coaching a junior right now, whatever deck they're selecting to play, we're going to play five games against Lugia. And I'm going to tell them against Lugia, you do this. This is important. This is a key resource. This is what you want to combo, da-da-da-da-da-da. And so if you're playing against a top junior and you're playing Lugia, you have no real advantage there. But if you're playing a deck that a top junior has never played against before and they're having to figure it out on the fly, how to beat it. But yet, of course, you know, all the top juniors are playing Lugia. So you played your 50 games versus Lugia with your deck. So, but now none of the kids are knowing it. So that was an advantage we always tried to gain by playing a deck that other kids likely hadn't test against. So the greatest example of this, and, and it also, it seems in juniors, at least it was when, when Carson was in juniors, all the kids, the top kids, tend to play the same deck. Mm -hmm. Uh, Knoxville 2019, all the kids were playing Reshizard. Like, all the top kids were playing Reshizard. So, we went into Knoxville. Carson played (laughs) Quagnag. He got a Quagnag mirror in round one and then all the way, the rest of the way played fire decks to the championship playing Quagnag. So, like, you can metagame and you can, you can do that more. Now in, jun- in seniors, it seems like the, the top senior players are more diverse. They don't all tend to play the same decks. They can also figure things out on the fly. But in juniors, I think there's a real opportunity if you play, uh, you know, B tier decks that counter the BDIF or the top two decks and you play those well then you can win all the other, the other, you know, against the other kids, even, even when you have weakness against you a lot of the times, because kids will just, you know, they just won't see things. Um, Control is a lot more apparent in seniors. There are lots of kids that love to play control in seniors, not so much in juniors. If you can play control in juniors and you can play it well, it is like so good. Carson, uh, we did played Shocklock one time where all the kids were playing dark, Ride. He played against like six dark rides. He actually lost in the finals to a very good player, Nathan. O, um, who was able to figure And of course, playing the, playing a uh, second tier deck doesn't work as well in top eight because all the kids know that you're playing it and they go ask their coach, like, how do I play against this deck? You know, but, but anyways, um, if you can, if you can play that, that second tier deck, If there's one that counters that, that's a really good opportunity. And and control is really good in juniors because only the best kids know how to manage their resources or not get. They just get bored. Like when Carson's paralyzing someone, every single kid they just stop (laughs) even thinking. You know, they just like draw, like they just give up. Um, So it's a little unfortunate because it's not the most fun decks for other kids to play against. But if you can teach your kid to play control well in juniors, it's it's definitely a great call. It is tends to be harder, but you don't have to play it as well either. Like at the master level, when Sanders up there with all the top players, if Sanders makes one mistake, he can't win anymore. Uh, that's usually not true in juniors. You can play control in juniors and make a mistake uh, and still recover from it uh, as well, too.
2: So two things so, off of that real quick. Uh, yeah. First one, James, I'm going to have to kick you off the podcast because it's nagquag. and and the second one is it sounds like there's two different like juniors ideas for deck selection and it actually mimics the two top testing groups of na masters as well very well and one of them is you play the best deck and you play it well and that's the bradner and rahul and john ang that's very rarely are they not bringing palkia or lugia or whatever right and they're winning with it and then the other one is you're playing the deck that counters all of those because you don't want to play bdif mirror matches you want to beat the bdif and you want to play something and that's the azul and caleb and danny altavia you know and that kind of thing where they played kyogre forever because it was like well i'm not playing lugia because i'm not playing lugia and i think both are like incredibly valid and i just want to bring back to the they, they gotta know they gotta yeah. know what they're yeah. doing because otherwise it's yeah. ooh, hurts I, I will say
0: as uh if your kid isn't hasn't a lot of regional experience, please don't bring control and i i don't <laughs> I, I agree that a really good i mean we saw Orlando, right yeah. but um control and any of these other decks that are really slow, right lost box i also I would discourage every junior from playing lost box unless they are extremely experienced. They're very slow. Juniors are already slow. You lose game one, you're done. You're at best going <laughs> to tie and you're probably going to lose. You're not going to finish three games. You're probably not going to finish two games. And you're going to be boy, spending yeah. 50 minutes plus three turns every round sitting at the table. right? It, speed, <laughs> playing a little faster deck is really helpful because then you'll win 2-0 a couple times. And then you'll come back to the table with your parents and then you'll have some food and then you'll have a drink and you'll have a rest and you get, your mind can relax. Like, it's actually really hard as a 10- or 11-year-old to sit there and just play control for 50 minutes for six rounds in a row and then another three, you know, top-cut rounds. Um, but for the top players, I think that's... I agree that, that playing something, you know, if, if you come with Lugia, you better be really good with Lugia because everyone's prepped against it.
1: Um, that's where Cups not being around is really... Because yes. that's why Carson convinced me that mm-hmm. he could play those types of decks is he started playing mm-hmm. Dalt Doll- Stall. In cups mm-hmm. and you know thirty minute best of ones, and I was like, if you can't and against some kids who had no ambition to go to regional, so they play even slower than the regional kids. I was like, if you can't win this in thirty minutes, and there's no way you're going to be able to even like finish you know game one in thirty minutes. And so it really did. Sure, all yeah. the advice depends on on the the level of the player as well. Uh, that's it.
0: No, for sure. Uh, the other we'll thing I was ready. I was going to answer your question, Kevin. Um, I don't pick my list. The Robertson Seymour. Um, I did until relative uh, until until Palkia actually I was the one pushing Palkia that was a mistake <laughs> and at that point Robert realized you know Robert and I both realized that he actually knew his himself better and, and knew how to make some of these choices we talk about the choices we have a we have a local uh, who's who's pretty good who who talks him through some of the, like you know why do you pick this why do you pick that um, but he makes his own choices because I think he, he knows himself well enough uh, to um, to know what you know, what what feels good for him, um, you know, and I, um, I think in juniors it's really important to let the players f- play with what they're comfortable with, even if it's a suboptimal card. And I'll actually use me as an example because I honestly feel I- I'm not as good as the top juniors. I walked into LAC with um, a Reggie's deck, sat down, you know, right. I knew that I'm not a very good player, at Reggie's, and I knew that I strain stuff in the active all the time. So I I added extra scoop up net and I added an extra Switch card. Right. I won my first two games because of those cards. <laughs> After that, I didn't win another game. But that kind of like sometimes a suboptimal card like that can actually really help and, and listen and seeing, you know, like seeing them play and seeing them feeling and saying, you know what, let's it's totally fine to take that slightly suboptimal card because it makes them less likely to make a mistake that sticks them, right? And and we really found that, that that helps a lot.
2: Aaron, are you also picking techs or are you at the point too where it's like, eh, they, they can figure it out?
3: For a very long time, I think uh, Yuichi's always pick, picks his decks. You know, he'll get, I don't like this. All right, well, okay, don't play it then. I don't I'll make you play it. <laughs> you know, uh, but I'll sit there uh we'll go through the card selections and say, all right, why have you got this? Why Why don't you play this instead? Or what's this here for? Is this doing something specific and yeah and he'll just practice it out until he's happy with the list um i would say probably 90% of the of the last 10 events he it's all been him so you know he'll sit there yeah we'll sit down and and come up with something and that he wants to play and yeah we'll just practice practice makes perfect he'll just play it and play it and play it until he's happy with the list and yeah, and then he'll just go in from that. But he definitely likes to um, his lists. He definitely likes to have options in the lists. So he, anything is sort of too linear or whatever. It's not for him.
2: Yeah, he'll just get bored of it. I respect that completely. <laughs> that is also me as a player. Yeah. Um. Another yeah. thing that you all kind of alluded to that I want to go off of the same idea of deck building, regional prep, etc. Is coaching. Because coaching is, I mean, you go to Twitter and you see all the top players are offering coaching. Are like, how important is it? And I might be for your kid or you might just know, like, well, all the other top junior seniors are getting coaching. Like, how important is it? And how frequently are you seeing a coach? You know, whether that's PTCGO, webcam, maybe you have a local who you can actually meet up with or whatever. And uh, Joe, why don't you start us off coaching?
0: Yeah, so we don't we've never done a like a Metaphy or whatever uh, coach. I've always told Robert if he'd like that sort of thing, happy to do it. Um but he's he's never wanted to and I'm not gonna push him to. Um, you know, we have we we have uh, in in Bay Area, there's a really good scene. We have a lot of people here at masters level who are very good players who come to locals. Um so he gets the experience playing against you know people better than the people he's going to be playing in some tournament, um, and you know roughly once a week or, or maybe twice a week. Um, and then, like I said, you know we have one one of our locals does you know help him out and 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 go through you know sit down, um, do a couple of matchups and see you know like why do you, you know maybe you should cut this card, maybe you know this why what what's this card here and talk over a few of the matchups with him. Um, but um, you know I know that a fair amount of juniors do. Uh, to do coaching, and I think that the big thing in my opinion if you're going to use a coach is know what the coach can do and know what the coach isn't capable of doing um, and for the most part, I wouldn't let a coach pick a deck i wouldn't you know i, I unless you you know unless you've got a coach who actually is a parent of a junior a top junior and knows them or something like it's and and also knows your kid really well. Like, maybe if you had the same coach for, like, two years or something, that would be different. If you just go on Netify right now and just pick any one of the players, right? They're going to give you some really good advice on how to play matchups. They're going to give you some really good advice on what does this tech card do, right? But every time where I've had a conversation with a parent and they said, I sat down with this coach and they told me to pick this deck and they did this. Almost every time it turns out badly. Not every time, but almost every time it turns out badly because they just don't know the kids. And, And it's so important for the kid to know right i think coaches are really valuable for teaching them those specific matchups and those specific like this is what you're going to do if you're going to do that but go into it either already having a deck or at least you know understand the limitations behind what you can get out of that
2: a quick side off of that one before the other two because uh, mm-hmm. i've experienced with this one of kind of that exact situation of a a friend's kid was it was portland pre-pandemic right and they had hired a notable coach in the community and they were like you play this deck and they did one session and the kid did not like it they did not like the deck and so the mom messages me is like can you just like play against him and he picks up turbo dark it was an expanded regional turbo dark was the best deck in the format he's like this is fun he plays so freaking fast (laughs) like he's just like oh i get to play all the cards this is the best thing in the world and we play a, a handful of games and he's like oh you know Exactly what you're doing. Like, this is perfect. Right. And it was that thing where they hired a very prominent coach, you know, someone who it's like, oh, this person handed you a deck list. Like, you always play that. Right. It's like, no, this is not. The kid didn't like it. The kid didn't really enjoy what they were doing. And then we played for like two hours with the deck that he thought was fun, went over the stuff, and boom, you know, he won the regional with it because it was, it was someone who didn't know him versus someone who he's known for a little while. Right. And just playing the game for a little bit did make a huge difference there. Uh James what about coaching?
1: Yeah, we I think we were probably some of the earliest people to ever get coaching uh back in 2018. I think we were we started with Pablo um and I think we were some of Pablo's earliest students and Pablo was or is still a phenomenal coach. Um and we took a lot of lessons. Both my boys were playing back then and they would basically take lessons weekly uh for a long period of time. Um my carson never loved playing online he's actually starting to play more online than ever he's always really loved the physical aspect of the card so at some point he's like i just don't i don't like playing on the computer i just want to play so i continued to do the coaching sessions with me and then i would try to teach what i learned to carson which was kind of the best thing because one of the talking back to one of the benefits of this whole thing is spending time together with the kids i work from home so like my schedule is very flexible to work with coaches' times, and so I'd pick a time that I work with them, and then Carson will get home from school, and we play some games together. And I try to explain that stuff to him as well. Um, the primary benefit is they do teach you all the basics of the game, you know, sequencing. Um, one of the best things that Pablo ever taught over, and he just and actually, I took some warm ups with him before Worlds again as well, is like how do you win the game? Like, I just, I always get in the habits of like, I'm trying to do this, but like, why are you trying to do this? Like, is it towards your win condition? So we worked with Pablo and he's been great. We uh, we also have worked with Alex Shemansky a good bit. Um, And I kind of switched to Alex, not because of anything, but Pablo is because Carson was more getting down control routes and Pablo isn't much, I mean, I'm sure he can coach, can but control is not his area of expertise or or off meta decks as much. And where Alex is a little bit more, wide open with, with the things that he'll play do and doing stuff. And so just get a different perspective on everything. Both of them, I could highly recommend to, to anyone looking to get some coaching. And I think it's definitely worth it, especially for newer players. I think there's a lot of benefit for experienced players too, because I still kind of hang on and have um, coaching sessions with both of them because they're connected to the community as well. So like when new formats come up, whether they select the deck that we're going to play, at least they can help narrow our focus Cause we don't have all the time in the world too. And they do a lot of testing and they also have large groups of friends who do testing. And once you do all that together, it can narrow your focus on where you want to start your testing uh, process for what you're, you know, what you're going to play as well. And also last second, uh, last second things. Actually we took one lesson from, um, from Charlie Locklear because um, we wanted to get more better at the deck building and stuff. And so before worlds, he was helping us out with Mewtwo control and stuff like that. And, uh, Mewtwo Control did very terrible at day one worlds, including myself. That's what I played in seniors. It did terrible as well, too, with the kids that played it. And we were like ready to jump ship. And we actually bought the um, we bought the crab that ended up uh, doing Carson in. We bought it from a, from somebody out in the lobby there. And I'm messaging Charlie and I was like, I think we're gonna, we're gonna, you know, jump off this. He's like, don't. Those kids don't play it as well as Carson plays it like you've been testing it, like stick with it and run with it. And it was a hundred percent, the right call to, to stay with it and go five Oh one. So just sometimes the sounding board now, um, the more like, you know, Carson now has his group of friends and a lot of those are top seniors. And so they do a lot of that themselves. And so I'm sure coaching will become even less and less a part of our, and I've kind of joked that I get, you know, free coaching from Carson, but it is really true as he becomes a top player, then then they don't need the coaching as much. And they, they develop the group of friends who can, can help shape to where they want to 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 focus their limited time and testing but for newer players 100% recommend starting with a coach real quick aside a lot of great options out there.
2: on that one because real quick aside on that one because you always got to sell right we had pablo aka tablemon on a couple episodes ago so if you have not listened to that episode go back and listen <laughs> because it was very good about how to play lost Zone decks good. and his history and all that other stuff you, you got to get people in the podcast right <laughs> Aaron yeah. what about you coaching yes no maybe so um
3: we don't get coaching purely because how isolated we are and the time zone differences it's virtually impossible I mean even now it's like 3 a.m our our time and then to the east coast where most of the bigger players are it's still a three hour time difference so um having said that uh we had Henry Brand uh, give Yuichi two lessons before Worlds. Um, highly recommend it. You uh, you got a ton out of it. Um, yeah, it's it's just good to have a different perspective from somebody better than yourself. I mean, you know, yeah, I, th- I think it doesn't matter what skill level you are, there's always going to be somebody that's going to have a different viewpoint, um, and that you can learn from. And you'd be foolish to say, no, no, I'm I'm good enough that I don't need a coach, you know. And it, that's anything in life. It's not just Pokemon. That's anything in life. There's always somebody that knows something that you don't. Uh, so coaching is always a positive. However, we take the viewpoint of we look at Pokemon like our sports. You know, whether it's soccer, footy, basketball, whatever. You know, kids are going to go to practice weekly. Uh, they're going to play their games on the weekend. Um, so we take that viewpoint. All right. So midweek we'll try and get. One or two nights in, where they'll go and then we'll meet up with other people. We'll practice, grind some games out, you know, talk about stuff, um, and then come Sundays we play our or every second Sunday we play our tournament and we put it to practice. Um, and yeah, and we do that same same build up for regionals, uh, ICs, worlds, everything.
2: Another thing that and. I never talk about myself on the podcast. So longtime listeners probably know this, but short-term listeners probably don't. I'm a high school teacher as my day job, right? And I've been doing that for a while. And so the biggest thing that I think of when I think of junior seniors competing and ICs is I cannot get time off of work to go to enough tournaments and stuff like that. So how do you handle the amount of school that's being missed or like, you know, things like that when you're being a competitive? Player, you're the parent of a competitive player, right? Because you know, obviously, junior seniors are still in school. So, um, Aaron, I think you're first on this one. How do you handle the amount of time that's being lost from school? Yeah, this
3: is a really hard one. Um, when it comes to traveling to ICs, pretty much every IC is about 30 hours travel each way. So, um, yeah, so if you're doing three in a year, you know, 30 hours travel. I mean, and you're missing. It's so it's usually two days somewhere, three days back. Um, so what we'll do is we'll ask the teachers to prepare like a, a work booklet or something along the lines, and then the kids will sit on the plane and do that while you know while we're traveling. So rather than just sitting there doing nothing, they get that out. But they did like last year. We they missed a ton of school. Um, I think all up it was about forty days total. Throughout the throughout the year yeah, from all the travel? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was something crazy like that. So, um, yeah, so it was a lot of school. And, it, you know, you see it in their reports. But on the other side of the coin, they're traveling the world. Like, you, you're going to – you're experiencing different cultures, and that's something that they can't teach in school, you know? Very so true. That's how, we, that's how we view it. Well. Um, when pre-COVID, the world's 2019 – which he felt really confident with some of that but he wanted some more practice so we actually approached school and said hey like uh can we take an extra three days off here just to practice before we head out to worlds and the school turned around and said um look he's going to get more experience out of this and the competition than he's going to learn in three days of school so uh, go for it take three days off before you head over to worlds
2: that's super interesting to hear from someone who is in a yeah. you know entirely different country school system, that concept coming from uh, the U.S. school system sounds very yeah. very yeah. foreign to me. I agree, no, though. I agree, hundred percent.
3: Yeah, it, it's it's odd though because when he gets to high school, like he's only just started um, high school, so I don't know about what they have over there, but we have primary school, which is uh, like seven to eleven, and then they have high school, which is twelve to fifteen or sixteen or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. so but over here the high school like no he's not to miss school he's not to miss school and i said well uh, i think he's just going to have to because this is pretty cool you know? <laughs> I, how many kids get to travel the world like yeah. i don't know about what you guys were doing when you guys were 12 and 13
1: did you not know? have a yeah, passport yeah
3: yeah um <laughs> uh, i mean yeah like i said whatever they can learn in school i mean they can do on the plane ride you know you can help them out uh you know, they can do that sort of stuff, but you cannot get the experience of traveling from school.
1: So. Yeah, School, the, the worst part about school is that makes these international trips a lot shorter than for me would be otherwise, because I work from home, so I, I could work from anywhere in the country uh, or work anywhere in the world, rather, that has internet connection. So I would extend, like we're going to Australia and I think we arrive in Australia on Thursday and we're leaving on Monday. Like I would extend that much, um much longer but um he's only going to miss two days of school three no three days of school he's gonna miss wednesday thursday and friday i just wrote letters to the to the school you know explaining that he's competing in this event to where he can earn scholarship money uh you know someone is paying for this trip so like he's already you know shown that he's one of the better players that they're willing to pokemon international is willing to give us money to go play in these events and stuff um and but I do try to limit the amount of time. Usually it's turns out for the whole year for us, it turns out to be like 10 days is what we end up missing for these. And in regional events, we tend, to, we usually are able to, where I just like have to check them out on Friday afternoon. And so again, like we go to these awesome cities and we don't get to really do anything because we leave Friday evening and then we come back late Sunday night. Um, but that's, I know there are a lot of parents or a lot of kids that are homeschooled the uh, the not a lot, but there are definitely a handful of of homeschooled kids, which makes it much easier on them. But, um, but yeah, it's worth it. And usually the school, the school will work with you once you, you've got to throw out that magical word scholarship, you know, point them to the website where it says, you know, $5,000 in scholarship money and saying, you know, I really want this scholarship money for my kid in college. And then like, how can they say no? Um,
0: yeah, we, um, so we moved, over COVID from the Chicago area to the Bay area. And that was quite an experience in terms of the regional travel. Cause it, yeah, the year before, before COVID, you know, we could drive to Memphis, you know, Mm -hmm. we, we, we drove to Memphis. We drove, we could, I mean, we didn't drive to Dallas, but, you know, you could drive to Collinsville, you could drive to Milwaukee, you could drive to Indiana. West Coast um, sucks. Just say it. <laughs> West yeah, Coast sucks. like, I, there's one drivable regional this year for us, and it's in Fresno. <laughs> um, you know, everything, I mean, San Diego, not close enough. Portland, not close enough, right? And you're losing three hours, you know, like, mm-hmm. so definitely school-wise, like, you know, we, we missed a week for Worlds. Uh, that was the first week of school, first week of middle school. Um, he got, he, it's not true, he got to go for two days. He went to school Monday, Tuesday, and then we left Tuesday afternoon. Mm-hmm. But um, so we missed most of the first week and then uh, Monday after. Um, and uh, California is a bit picky about these things. They, If, if it went over 10 days uh, of unexcused, they would probably be sending people into the house. Um, but, uh, fortunately our school does have a policy or our school district or has a policy where we can, if it's not the first week of school and it's not the last week of school, we can ask for a week at a time, uh, twice. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and, and we're lucky that EUIC is over spring break this year. So we only, we're only missing the week for OCIC. That's um, super nice. We, we don't, we don't miss school for regionals. Um, but, uh, so we similarly, we do the fly out, you know, like, I want to say like we know we flew we had like an eight o'clock p.m. flight to Arlington or something like that you know that got in at like midnight. Um, Orlando actually Orlando we were not we're not playing any East Coast ones. Robert after San Diego said I really want to go to Orlando so he paid for it from his 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 winnings and uh, we actually flew a a red eye. Uh, We we arrived five thirty a.m. Saturday morning.
2: That sounds uh, and terrible better,
0: <laughs> and, and you know went better than i would have expected although i think he his he went 002 first two rounds and i'm sure some of that could have been <laughs> could have been sleep related <laughs> but um but uh yeah but it it's it's it's, it's yeah it, it's quite tough and, and it is similarly like you know when we went to you know my my dad's going to australia with us and went to london with us and and he's you know thinking we're gonna do all sorts of all sorts stuff like you know sightseeing stuff and I'm like we're pretty much just gonna go play Pokemon and then leave um, you know cool for you to do your own thing if you want to but uh but uh you know we are getting in on Wednesday, so we will have a day or two fortunately but um the uh it does make it a lot harder i think to to take quite as much advantage. We're really hoping that Japan is early <laughs> our first day of school is the i think the sixteenth, so we're really hoping it's the the week before that is is japan
2: uh, uh let's hope see. so. <laughs> Let's we'll hope see. they announce yeah. it ever too, but yeah. wow. Yes. Nice. Uh, <laughs> nice. but, so
3: so. Yuki is actually born in Japan, so um, and we've got family over there. So uh, and it's in the middle of our term, um, so just just there he's going to be missing two weeks. Oh. You
2: know? That's you're visiting family. Though. That's that's the move, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So as we kind of wrap up here, I think the best way to wrap this up would be if you have. One piece of advice for a parent who wants to get their child into competitive play, getting that world's invite. Let's say no stipend yet. What would be that one piece of competitive advice or one piece of advice in general? Sorry, it doesn't have to be competitive at all. It doesn't have to be like play a meta deck. You know, it could be that parental advice, right? And uh, Aaron, why don't you go ahead and start us off on this one? What would be that one piece of advice you would want to leave a new or future pokey parent with? I know it's a hard. This is a hard one. <laughs> if you want to pass, if anyone's ready to, that is totally fine.
3: I think it'd just be just enjoy it, the experience. Um, you know, it is it is time with your kid. It is you know you're doing it for fun more than it's not about winning. It's about fun, the journey, um, yeah, the experiences. So the moment that they're not having fun, like, is the moment that you need to all right, make it fun, you know, or, you know, see why. Make make sure you're not pressuring them, you're not forcing them, and that they're just enjoying it. Because without that, what are you doing it for? There's there's no reason, mm. right? So, um, yeah, just enjoy the time with your child. Just mm. enjoy it and commit. Like, without your commitment, none of this can happen as well. So, um, yeah, they they need to have you there with them.
2: James, that one piece of advice you'd have for a future or new pokey parent.
1: Well, definitely what Aaron said, but as far as like, if their goal is to make worlds, then it is, I really do feel it's like any event you're going to pick your deck two weeks beforehand. If you're like new player, you're first trying to go for your first worlds, pick your deck two weeks before the event, commit to that deck and play nothing but that deck against all the top meta decks over and over and over again. And honestly, the best way I meant to mention this during the testing part, we used to do testing completely wrong. We would like play one or two games versus a deck and switch one or two games versus a deck and switch. And no, that's not the way to do it at all. The way to do it is to play 10 to 20 games versus the same deck over and over again. So you learn what is important in this matchup. So then when you go play 10 other games versus a different deck, you learn what's important in this matchup because otherwise... I see a lot of juniors. They just fall and they think what's important, and all you know that that their deck just revolves around this one thing. But that changes from matchup to matchup. So playing the same matchup over and over again can really let the junior realize that you play the deck differently depending on which deck you're playing against, and that's that's the best way to get to a level to where you should be able to have a decent shot at, at making worlds.
2: That advice is true of masters as well. For anyone who's listening to this and like, how do I step my game up in testing? literally that (laughs) just play against Lugia as much as you hate it because you got to do it and and sorry
1: one more thing too if you convince your kid that losing during testing is not like (laughs) this was a hard thing with cards earlier on like he would get upset when we're testing and i'd be like dude we're we're learning we're this that's why they call it testing we're learning now so that you can win later like you you gotta you gotta realize this is an exploratory phase and we're like Pulling cards in and out and stuff. So don't get upset when you lose. Uh like we're we're trying to learn right during this time. It's hard for for young kids, obviously, but
2: Aaron, something to add before we get to Joe.
3: It, just quickly on that the testing side of things, one thing that we have a hard and fast rule on is if it happens in testing, it's gonna happen on the tournament. So, you know, if you're funny that the deck you're playing is bricking or you're having a bad matchup or whatever, it nothing is gonna change from testing to the tournament. So you need to be able, you need to be correcting that before you go to the tournament. We, that was a lesson we learned from our world's experience as well. Um, just testing and going, yep, yeah, if it happens in testing it's going to happen in the tournament. If you remember that, your testing will go much better.
2: And Joe, one piece of advice for future or current new pokey parent:
0: run make worlds play play VG. <laughs> no, sir. Uh seriously though, um the uh the thing that I would say uh for in, in terms of of juniors, right, is focus so much on physically playing the game. Don't 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 use Joe. I mean use it when you need to, but like most of their play should be physical. Mm-hmm. Juniors are slow and they make physical mistakes, right? And I say this, you know, Robert is great player, but you know salt lake city that top two he was going to ninety min seventy five minutes plus three turns in top in top <laughs> um you know he's not a fast player and and most of them aren't and and they need to know like they need to learn how to go how to physically handle the cards quickly efficiently without making those mistakes right so play tournament style in your in your testing right. I'm not saying give them DPLs, right? <laughs> but but have them have as much as possible physical cards on the table, sitting across from you, with everything set up the right way, with all their counters, all their stuff. Shuffling, right? Learn, you know, if if you need tips for shuffling, find some of us. We, you know, find some of the parents of the regionals, right? Shuffling is hard, and especially if your kids eight or nine, right? Their hands are small. It's it's hard to physically shuffle together. You know, you're playing Mew. Your 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 game is taking like you know, an extra 10 minutes because of shuffling if you're a junior. Mm-hmm. So do all that. Get, get the physical play, make where they're not making mistakes and where they're physically playing in a quick and efficient manner. And then that will set them up for everything else. Being You know, the rest of it, they'll figure out.
2: To go off the physical play too, for any parents listening, even if you're, you don't know the game very well, one of the best things you can do for the physical play is something that I had done with a junior that I was helping with is I just grab his prizes at the very first deck search and say, what are they? You don't have to know anything. You don't have to know how the matchup's supposed to go. You don't have to know anything. You just be like, can you tell me what your six prizes are? And that is such a good skill, and it is so easy that literally anyone can do it. So that's one of those pieces of physical play that is better than PTCGO, because PTCGO checking prizes takes 12 seconds. IRL, that could take easily over a minute, and you're not going to get all of them, right?
0: Yeah, and I think the, the the converse to this, right, is for kids who are not brand new, but who are getting into this top level... Still keep doing that, but also play a bunch of open-handed games. Yes. All right. Robert and I play open-handed, uh, and uh, it really helps a lot with, because of the fact that I'm not as good as he is, right? Um, I'm not a particularly skilled player. I know the meta, but, you know, whatever. I'm not going to make the right calls, right? So he's got Lugia on one side, I've got Mew on the other. I guarantee you, he's, he's a far better Mute player than me. So we play everything <laughs> open-handed, and so we both can catch each other's mistakes. We both can talk about, why did you do this, right? Um, that that's to me, that was the like I think early on it was play every game exactly like a tournament. And as we got later, it's let's play half of them like tournaments and let's play half of them open hand where we can have those conversations.
2: Cool. Uh thank you all for joining us. If there are any Pokey parents who would like to potentially reach out to you or just, you know, follow you or they have questions or anything like that, where can people follow you? And of course if you have any shout outs, shout out to your LGS, anything like that, any of those. Uh Aaron, if people want any information from you, where can they find you or any shout outs?
3: Uh, I am on Twitter. I don't know my Twitter handle from me.
2: <laughs> It'll be linked in the show notes or the description of the YouTube video as well.
3: Yeah, it's like Hey Buddy Buddy or something like that. Um, I also have Hey Buddy Buddy on Facebook as well, um, and the West Coast Pokemon League as well on for those in
2: Australia. Yeah, James, what about you? Where can people find you and or any shoutouts? Uh, yes,
1: yeah, so you can find me on Twitter at James underscore Washer. Or on Facebook, you can find me on Facebook. There's a great uh, group on Facebook, Poke Dad. if you search for that. Um, that's a good resource, a lot of information there. Shout-outs, I'll shout-out Carson, my, my coach and primary <laughs> testing partner, and his team, Team Gargalon. And uh, yeah, Pablo, Pablo and Alex, those are great coaches. So I want to give them out a, a shout-out again. And if anybody's looking for them, those are two wonderful choices right there.
2: Joe, what about you? Where can people find you if they have any questions or any other shout out?
0: Yeah, I'm on Twitter. I'm uh, at Snoopy369. I'm also on Mastodon. Uh, if, um, Snoopy369 something. <laughs> um, and uh, Pokydad as well. I recently joined that. Um, in terms of... Uh, and of course, at any tournaments, I'm I'm probably there. and Feel free to say hi. <laughs> um, the uh, shout-outs... Um, I, I want to give a shout-out to the, uh, the Game Castle Fremont League, which is sort of our local league. Um... If you're in the Bay Area and have a kid, feel free to come on by. Um, and uh, if you're into VG as well as TCG, uh, follow the NorCal VGC uh, Twitter, Twitch, all that stuff. Uh, we have a really great VG uh, scene here as well as TCG. So it's, it's really exciting to see both, um, both really hit, hit off right now.
2: Myself. You can find me on Twitch, Twitter, and YouTube at Mel underscore Magikarp. Follow the podcast at Lake of Rage Pod. If you're on YouTube, like, comment, subscribe, thumbs up, whatever. And this has been another episode of the Lake of Rage Podcast. We'll catch you all next week.